0: Hey guys, it's James Chester here You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast By underagaslitlamp.com Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast
1: Ollie Watkins just gets away from him But El Ghazi's behind him And we El Ghazi! 3-0! Emphatic!
0: Traore with Watkins available Traore just passes it into the corner Big moment for him it's Young, ground full side,
1: he he's it into the net. Here's Douglas Luiz, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 ever. He Villa's a big clap mate. So. Gather round villains and welcome to Gather Around the Lamp, our Aston Villa podcast from underagaslitlamp.com in association with Manscaped. We have plenty to discuss today as Steven Gerrard continues to make a splash in his first Villa transfer window whilst we also reflect on another disappointing FA Cup third round weekend for Aston Villa. I'm Andy, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Craig. Hello, Craig.
0: Hello, Andy. Hello, listener. Um, It's wonderful to be back. I mean, what a time to be alive as an Aston Villa fan. An incredible week. I just said to Andy off-air, this might be the most action-packed bumper edition of uh, Gather Round the Lamp that we've ever recorded. So much going on in, in the Villa world. I'll shut up so we can get on with it. Yeah, well, you're you're absolutely right, and you know it's uh
1: it's it's so refreshing, isn't it, to to get action, uh, transfer action early in the window rather than waiting for uh, for Yacuba Silla to turn up on the last day of of, uh, of the window. But um, <clears throat> I think there's it's I was going to start, I was going to say there's only only one place to start, but I'm going to switch it up a bit, and I'm going to start with the news that has just broken this evening as we record Thursday evening. Um, and it's, it's a, it's with a heavy heart, I'm afraid, Craig, that, um, another promotion hero, Anwar al Ghazi, has, uh, been announced that he's moved to Everton on loan till the end of the season with an option to buy. He's gone in the opposite direction to, to, uh, one of our new signings today, um, Luca Dean. Um, I'm sure you have, have something to say about this move, um. And is this? Do you think this is the last we've seen of Anwar, Anwar El Ghazi in a Villa shirt?
0: Oh yeah. Well, is it the last we've seen of him? It's a loan, so you know, maybe, maybe not. We'll, we'll we'll see about that. I do have thoughts on the loan, um, but um, yeah, it is like um, genuinely a little bit emotional. I absolutely love Anwar El Ghazi, as anyone who's ever listened to this podcast <laughs> knows. <laughs> I do believe that he has been kind of. Um, I think the, the words I used on Twitter were were criminally underrated and underappreciated um, from the Villa fan base. I mean, he has had dogs abuse, and I've always kind of rallied around and jumped and leapt to his uh, leapt to his defense, along with my colleagues here on 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 this show. So, um, you know what what a servant? Uh, eight million pounds uh, from Lille in the same summer that. Arsenal signed Nicolas Pepe from the same club for 75 million pounds. I can tell you who got the best end of that deal. And it was Aston Villa certainly did the best business out of Lille in that summer. Um, incredible goals output uh, last season, uh, 10 Premier League goals. The only Aston Villa winger to have scored 10 Premier League goals, I think, since Ashley Young was young. <laughs> and, um, you know, just incredible stuff. No one else has got anywhere near that total. Um in the premier league at least i know uncle albert scored a similar amount in the championship but that was obviously in the championship so just been a wonderful wonderful servant you know cool as as coolness personified from the penalty spot um he's my beautiful baby boy and and i will absolutely miss him i i love the man
1: yeah in fairness he's not been really involved as much as he'd like um this season has he and and you know, but like like you say, everything you say is correct. I think after a dodgy start, um, you know, Dean Smith really got a really got a reaction out of him, didn't he? That first season, um, while he was still on loan from Lille, and uh, he was a, a big part of obviously the, the the ten game winning run and the the run to the playoffs, um, <clears throat> and he scored in the final um, and assisted th- as well. And yeah, absolutely. And um, he was—he was a big part of our our promotion team, and for that reason, he's a hero. But I think what 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 um, the the big thing I always remember is is um, around that time. Obviously, he's a he's a he's a devout Muslim, um, and he he broke his fast in Ramadan to to actually make sure he was fit enough to compete properly in 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 that final um and, and I, I think in the semi finals as well and um you know that just shows you know a real level of commitment um to to the to the villa cause you know to to put something that's so vitally important to him uh to one side and to to you know to um put it on hold really so he could he could compete and i thought you know i remember thinking at the time this is this is tremendous, and and he deserves all our respect for for that, and and for everything he's given he's given the club. He's always been, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, a real sort of vital, um, sort of option. Really, he's pr- he perhaps been underused, but then I the the other thing I would say is I think he's he's best being sparingly used because I think um, he runs out of gas. I think that's always the, always the case, and it's it's often the case with with these kind of um, these kind of more tricky wide players that we that we see. But tremendous, he goes with my best wishes. I I just think he's a, he's an absolute he's been an absolute hero for us and what a signing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I'm interested about Villa's choice to loan him. Um, I would have thought with 18 months left on on the deal. I mean, this isn't a player that's got four years left on his contract. With 18 months left on his contract, as we stand, you know he comes back in the summer with 12 months on his contract. So that means that the value of any transfer fee is depreciating by the second. So I would have thought, if 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 he is surplus to requirements, obviously he is. As <laughs> he's gone, um, the uh, the the thing to do would have been to to sold him. Would, would have been to sell him and 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 to recoup as much money as possible, uh, particularly after our. Bonanza signings uh, that we've been doing in January that we're going to talk about later on. Um, but I, I guess that's that's not necessarily a major bone of contention. Um, I expect Amwar El Ghazi to, to to please the Everton fans. I think um, he's much better than Alex Iwobi. He's much better than uh, Theo Walcott, who they had there uh, up until recently. Um, Damari Gray has, has started really well, in, in, in fairness to him. And Andros Townsend, I think is about as inconsistent as, uh, well, actually, no, he's completely consistent, Andros Townsend, he's terrible. And then once every six months, he'll bang on into the top corner. <laughs> um, so I think Al Ghazi will be an improvement on what they have there. And I think that the Everton fans hopefully will give him the love that he deserves. I don't know that he ever got the love from the whole Villa fan base that he, d- he deserved. And I think the Evertonians maybe will will love Anwar like he deserves to be loved, Andy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I hope so. I think it's a, it's going to be a difficult place to go. They're not a happy bunch at the minute, obviously with the manager and various things that are going on there. But, you know, it's it, it might be tricky for him. But look, if he scores the goals, you know, if he can get five or six goals, which he's perfectly capable of doing between oh, no. now and the end of the season, they will like him, you know, undoubtedly, because they, they like good players. They like players that, that, that give everything. And that is something that, he added to his game i think under smith was that ability that that desire you know and that that um sort of commitment he wasn't always in the right place but he you know he certainly you could never fault his his effort or his attitude i think um after those first couple of months under steve bruce so um very happy um uh with his his time at villa you know can't can't really fault him i think he he made the most of his his abilities and villa got got a good few years out of him and he was he's 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 one of the promotion heroes I always say this he goes in with the same you know categories of people that have left um a- apart from one maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um no I I hope he does well I hope he does well there and I hope they look after him and 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 tr- treat him treat him well um but we'll obviously where I was going to start until until that News broke this evening. Um was of course the uh the huge signing uh last week. It was announced at the end of last week after we'd after we'd put our podcast out. Um they announced the uh the signing of of um uh Stephen Gerrard's ex-Liverpool teammate and good friend, uh Brazilian international Philip Coutinho um who joined <coughs> Aston Villa on loan from Barcelona. Um I'd say the story broke broke last week. I think you were um you were you you were speculating about this after <laughs> after what Stephen Gerrard had said the week before and you thought you put two and two together and actually came up with four which was so uh, did, which so. was amazing yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. So um you called it way before anyone else uh, had had even thought of it. So um so so well done with that. Um it looks like he might be able to play a part um in Saturday's game against Man United um, what do you think I mean huge signing and a sign of the times for Villa
0: yeah um, it, 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 there's been so much coverage and so much content I'm I'm, I'm going to be really careful not to just go over, over the ground that's already been spoken about uh, people have talked in detail about his injury issues about his um, about his relationship with Gerard, about the Liverpool connection all that kind of stuff um, but so I'm just going to f- try and focus on the emotion uh, for, for a minute, because I don't think that's been spoken about as much. And, you know, one of the things I, you know, football for me and, and probably for lots of you listening is is an escape, uh, for, for the for better or worse, <laughs> watching Aston Villa. And you, you, you escape and it's like a magical world and, and, and you know, going as a kid. Um, whenever I was walking up um, with my dad and my uncle, when we you know we had uh, season tickets from when I was eight years old, um, we were walking in. You know, I'd I'd always be looking forward to seeing. You know, I wasn't, with all with all respect to, 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 to the Gary Charleses and Mark Delaney's and Alan Wright's of this world, I wasn't looking forward to seeing them as a kid. I was excited to see the Paul Mersons. I was excited to watch Dwight York. I was excited to watch even Sasa Churchich, but he never turned out to be any good. I always, you know, wanted to see the flair players. So that inner child in me has been kind of reawoken by this Philip Coutinho um, signing. I'm just absolutely salivating of the prospect of seeing him dancing on the Villa Park pitch and and banging one into the top corner it's romantic it's illogical in some ways it's it's a love story almost between two friends, you know, Um, um Gerard talking about him and and, and and Coutinho and his kids playing together and all that kind of stuff. It, it is so romantic in a horrible world of football we've lost our romance at Aston Villa a little bit. We lost our boyhood captain. We lost our boyhood fan as the manager. Um, We've lost that. So to have this little bit of romance back has really put a twinkle in my eye and I'm I don't know if it's going to work, Andy. I don't know that it's not going to work, but I'm just really excited to see what he can do. Hopefully, starting at uh, Manchester United on, on on Saturday afternoon, and I just want to see Coutinho dancing, man, for Aston Villa. It's incredible. Yeah,
1: it is, and I think I think that's how we we do feel. I mean, as a, a season ticket holder, like you say, you you, you go down, you want to watch um, <clears throat> great players playing for your team, whatever level that is. You know, we 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 had you know, wherever you're watching um your team play, there will be, you know, someone there that you you appreciate. You know, we I remember in the championship watching Grealish absolutely tear the the place apart really and, and it was it was joyous and, you know, it was worth the entrance fee by itself. Um this is this is kind of on another level because this is a signing that you know normally wouldn't happen in, in the position that we're in. You know, maybe a few years down the line, if we're if we're in that position where we're in the Champions League, and you can go and attract a player from from Barcelona or Bayern Munich or, or wherever, and, and bring them to Villa because you are you know a prop an actual going concern in in the in the Champions League, then 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 that's that's one thing. But to to be able to to, to pick someone like this up, um, sitting for 13th in the Premier League, having only been back in the Premier League for two years. You know, it is a, it is a romantic thing. It's a, a thing that's 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 not not usual um, in in the football world, and that just makes it all the more special. I think. You know, um, and having lost a, a player um, <coughs> who who we we kind of had that feeling about before our own our own sort of world class or Champions League quality player that we'd brought up through our own ranks. Um, and had that feeling that he's as you know he's and and he's he was a bit of a cheat code in that respect certainly in the championship but you know after so soon after he's gone you know to to kind of replace him like um with someone who is genuinely world class and proved it on the biggest stage i think is um it's 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 incredible you
0: know uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is. And I, I I like your point there about this. You know, this isn't something that's supposed to happen. It, it, it isn't. It's almost like a glitch in the matrix. Um, you would you would expect Coutinho at this stage having, you know, I think we're less than two years since he's won the Champions League with Bayern Munich. For goodness' sake, he's won two La Ligas with Barcelona. Yes, he's been a little bit out of favor, but this isn't someone who is, uh, who seems to be finished. You know, you would expect normally a player of this kind of of this kind of stature, of this kind of level, their next move might be at AC Milan, or their next move might be to Inter Milan, or their next move might be to a a a, a club of that kind of stature, or or, or at the least at the least kind of a you'd expect someone like a Chelsea to have a look at him, or Tottenham to have a look at him, um, teams that are above us right now. But for him to be <laughs> rocking up for Aston Villa on Saturday afternoon against Manchester United is a little bit surreal. And um, I, you will not be able to move me from the television set on Saturday <laughs> afternoon. I will be there two hours early <laughs> with my Villa shirt on and maybe a, a couple of uh, uh, snacks and beverages. Just, just... I'm excited about it already, actually. I can only imagine, Andy, what you're going to feel like going in on Saturday. And I I don't expect he'll start, but um, just knowing that he's going to come on with 20, 25 minutes to go, you're going to see Coutinho in the flesh this this Saturday, Andy. How do you feel? Well,
1: I feel extremely pleased, first of all, that I got my COVID um, spell out of the way. (laughs) before this um because I'm 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 pleased that I missed the Chelsea game on boxing day rather than this one because yeah absolutely buzzing and I think I think the crowd, I think the, the the atmosphere is actually going to be electric and we'll talk about the the cup game a bit later but after what happened the other night I think um a lot of people people in that ground are going to be really up for it and I think it's going to be hostile Atmosphere. Um, I really hope Coutinho starts because you know we we want that we want that um, you know from the off, don't we? We want to see him see what he can do straight away, see what he can what he can he can bring bring to the party. But if he isn't ready, obviously we don't want to rush him
0: too much. Um, <laughs> well, but if Gerard ready, started uh, Bertie Triore a couple of weeks, and he was nowhere near ready a couple of weeks no, ago. Exactly. So um, yeah, you know maybe yeah. he will do the same
1: with with Coutinho. Yeah, I mean, if he's if he's if he's anywhere near, I think he'll he will he will start. But um, it's just, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is that excitement. I can remember. I, I don't know if you remember. You probably remember this yourself, Craig, when uh, John Gregory was trying to sign another little Brazilian wizard,
0: Janinho, um, yeah, I remember. Gianinho, I remember it and, well. Uh,
1: you know, that was, top of the league we were. We were top of the league, and I can remember. I can remember as a season ticket holder just thinking I'm gonna be able to watch Janino playing for Aston Villa and just thinking this this is the this is incredible, this is gonna be the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and um obviously it didn't happen. I think uh, Atletico um moved the goalposts at the last minute and despite Janinho being at Villa Park and and everything looking like it was going to get done, it, it it never did. I was so I was so worried that something would happen with this as well. And when when it, when it started to to look like it was going to happen, I thought, is this just a way of kind of you know tempting out a bigger club or a Champions League club, like you say, to come and uh, to come and give him a bit more money or whatever. And um, but no, it was it was. And and clearly, I said I I I did a piece at the weekend um, for the for the website about it, and clearly Steven Gerrard, when he spoke the week before, and he'd said about you know Villa fans should be very excited about our targets. he obviously he wasn't, knew, knew what, he was, wasn't, what was
0: about to happen. <laughs> he wasn't talking about Rudy Gestad rocking him from Blackburn, was he? <laughs> he had, no. Well, I was thinking, ideas. I, was, I was going through the rain. I was
1: thinking, is it Ryan Kent? Is it is it Glenn Kamara? <laughs> <Is> it, <laughs> um but no, you you knew, you knew, you you posted the GIF of Catino in his did. Christmas jumper, and um, I've, and everyone it's, everyone it's no had longer, a chuckle at you.
0: It's, it's yeah, <laughs> they did. It's no longer in the no Andy. It's in the no Craig. So join me Absolutely. for breaking news. I may have got the Draxler transfer wrong, but I got this one bang on. <laughs> well, Dra- Draxler's not gone anywhere. Um, <laughs>
1: he's got, Draxler's he's, surely, still available. He's got to move to the Premier League at some point, although it seems it's amazing that he's never played for Arsenal for me. But yeah, yeah, I mean, this, this is, this is just huge. And I think, I think everyone's just excited and, you know, you can talk all day about, and I think we're going to get onto another signing in a bit where there might be some issues, but you you talk all day about, you know, this, this idea of, you know, buying by preferring to buy young players and develop them and, (coughs) and all this sort of thing. If an opportunity like this comes up,
0: you take it with both hands, don't you? Yeah, you do. You absolutely do. Because again, um, other than you know, again, I I think that Coutinho, you know, his next logical move would be to a, a, again a Milan or, or an Inter or somewhere like that. Not the not someone at the tippy top, but a very big club, Champions League pedigree, who are looking to get back to 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 the promised land. It isn't to an Aston Villa, so for him to do that. And for him to be here, and for us to have an option to buy him, is absolutely incredible. I mean, I had lots to say about the loan signing of Axel Twanzebe, but uh, this is a different <laughs> kettle of fish. I think it's fair to say, while remaining respectful to Axel.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the other aspect is, and and I mentioned this in my in my article the other day that um, <clears throat> there's a there's a massive uh, carrot at the end of this year for Coutinho, and that's that's to that's to go go uh, to the Qatar World Cup with uh, with Brazil. He'll be absolutely desperate to do that. And I think that's part of what this move is all about. He can come into Villa. He will play. If he's fit, he will play. There'll be no question about that. Um, and he will have the freedom um, in that Villa side to really show what he can do and to show that he is capable of recapturing that that Liverpool form, albeit at, at Aston Villa. So, um and that and, and and that'll be that'll be a huge thing for him. And I think if he is um, in the summer putting pen to paper on the the, the thirty three million um, permanent move that's uh, that we've got the option for, then it means this season's gone very well and um, he is back to his best and he's 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 able to uh, yeah to stay at Villa, continue that that work and and go to the World Cup. And
0: I think we'll all be delighted with that. Yeah, absolutely. If we can sign him for thirty-three million pounds um in, in in the summer, it, it means that he's done well or he's at least shown enough that he can be a real asset for Aston Villa. And um we we are talking about the third most expensive player in the history of football here. Um so to pick him up for thirty three million, I mean thir- thirty three million is 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 what we've paid for Buendia. And again, no no disrespect to Buendia, but you know, Coutinho is Coutinho and Buendia is Buendia. So if if, if he's available and at, at uh, you know, he's 29, you can get three, four years out of him. I mean, this isn't a player that particularly relies on his physicality or his pace. You look at, you know, David Silva was tearing it up at, at 36, 37 foot for, for Man City. Coutinho, similar, slight frame, very technical player. Not a lot of physical attributes to deteriorate, really, because he doesn't have any. He's not big and strong and powerful. He's not fast, um, so he's not relying on any of those things. And so, it could be something quite, quite special, and it could be the catalyst to put Villa back, uh, uh, back amongst the big time. Um, it's a really big deal. I, I it, it is a really big deal. Biggest signing you've known? Yeah, it's it's not even close not even close um i think stan collymore was um uh w- collymore was probably would probably be the the second biggest signing uh, john terry probably the second biggest name but he was you know he was at the end of the end of the line so it didn't you know that doesn't really count um obviously if, we, if we'd signed john terry at 29 that would have been the biggest signing but we didn't we signed him at 36 37 so that doesn't really count um yeah, the only one that can come close, I think, is probably, in terms of name identity, was Stan Collymore. Um, for, for younger listeners, Stan Collymore was kind of, he was the British record uh, signing for Liverpool at, at one, one point in time. He was tearing up trees for Nottingham Forest. I mean, this guy was frightening. He was big, bigger than everyone, stronger than everyone, faster than everyone, good in the air, Two-footed, technically adept, like, you know, I, I I spoke if if you if you wanted to build a, a footballer, I said last week you'd you'd want it to look like Ollie Watkins. I, I take that back actually. You'd want it to look like Stan Collymore. Even bigger, even stronger, better technically, great first touch. Stan Collymore had it had everything. And so but he wasn't an international star like Philip Gattino He didn't have a couple of the Leaguers and a Champions League trophy in his back pocket, and we weren't signed. so, so this this eclipses everything for me. Certainly in my lifetime, um, I you know slightly older fans may have uh, uh, different you know feelings, but th- there is certainly no one no one bigger in terms of world profile that I can remember Aston Villa signing um, than this.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I'd agree with that. Like you say, we've had. I mean, John Terry's the like you say probably the biggest name player we've signed, we've we've had at the club um but 37 at the time peter schmeichel's up there david gindler paul merson stan Collymore. like you say but yeah i mean the, <coughs> other than that it's players who we've we've actually kind of developed and, and 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 ended up selling before they before they their peak really um uh but but no i mean absolutely this is uh it's 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 absolutely huge and um I really, really want it to work out because I want to see him. um, I want to see players like this playing for Villa, and uh, you know, um, I can't wait. (laughs) I really can't wait. Um, But I mean, it seems it seems Villa are determined to really go big this window, and um, there are links with uh, Bissouma from Brighton um, that won't go away, and also talk of a reserve goalkeeper. Um, we've been linked with a, a goalkeeper called um, Olsen, I believe, uh, who's at Sheffield United at the moment on loan from Roma. Um, it looks like that might happen, um, but I don't know an awful lot about him, so I'm not going to talk about him. Um, but um, today, however, we you know, we had uh, confirmation that, that, that Villa had also completed the signing of French left-back Luca, Luca Dina from... Uh, Everton for around 23 million on a four and a half year contract um, many fans had identified a left back as as being an area that that needs strengthening with with Matty Target really having no real competition at all in the squad um, and struggling for form at times this season as well um, it seems the recruitment team have, have given Gerard the man he wanted here um, so what are your thoughts on this and what are your hopes for, for the impacts he could have on the first
0: team? Um, my, I'll, I'll answer the second part of the question first. My hopes for the impact that he could have on the first team is really in the final third, which seems to be an odd thing to say for a left-back. Um, but when you have players like Coutinho, when you have players like Buendia, uh, they draw attention, which is going to leave our full-backs in acres of space. Uh, Matty Cash, when he gets into Acres of Space, as wonderful as a defender he is, we know that he has some serious limitations with his final ball. Luca Dean, Luca Dinia, (laughs) Dinia? Luca (laughs) Dinia has, we literally got a note from this yesterday uh, about pronunciation from from Regan and we're messing it up. (laughs) Luca, my mate Luca is, uh, my mate Luke, he has supreme Delivery so whenever you get him in a position where he can cross a football, it is about as good as it gets uh, from anyone in the Premier League other than Andy Robertson uh, in that position and that is not a faint praise that is some serious delivery um it's incredible in terms of in terms of that um there are some concerns about the age of the player the transfer fee of the player um but we did need a left back we've been talking about that for for weeks and weeks and weeks on 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 this podcast Matty Target doesn't have any competition Steven Gerrard hasn't seen uh, Ashley Young as a, as a left back and and, and Ashley Young wasn't going to be a long-term competition anyway because of his age so we did need to buy a left back. Um, Aaron Hickey was was the player that I like the look of because he, again that young and you can develop him and and, and sell on, but um, Gerrard's decided to go for a player at the top of his market. I mean, there's not going to be any resale value for Luca Dean, but if he's going to be your starting left back for the next four and a half years, well, probably not for four and a half years because he'd be too old. But if he's going to be your starting left back for Aston Villa for the next three years and and you uh, I'm, uh, and, and you and you process that, then it is a reasonable investment um but it does mean that we need him to deliver <laughs> and we need him to deliver now which is similar to the danny ing signing we also needed danny ing to deliver and to deliver now and thus far he hasn't so it's it's i have mixed feelings about it um but i'm 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 pleased but cautiously pleased how do you feel andy well i'm really i'm really happy with this one
1: um and for much the same reason as, as, as Coutinho in some respects because um, I think what we've lacked um, since we've been promoted was those signings that that come in and they're ready-made, they're ready to go, they're off the peg. Um, it's not something we've been able to do um, for an awfully long time. We, we were talking about that back in the 90s there with Stan Collymore, Paul Merson... Uh, d m w Dublin players like that we were able to do it back then we We used to sign a lot of those those players that were ready to go um <clears throat> It was actually quite unusual for us to sign kind of developmental prospects really it was it was all about um the first team wasn't it and things have changed a little bit, and clubs do have to be uh more savvy about the way they set up and the way they they build some infrastructure behind the first team. To, to prop up the first team, but also to provide um extra revenue streams uh for the club and that's part of what the academy's about. not all these players in fact, a very small number of the, the players in the academy will actually end up in the first team that's that's just the way it is um you know and what you're hoping for is the ones that do do well the ones that don't um you know, are sold or, or or whatever for for a reasonable fee, and that that all helps towards um, the coffers and and also the the, the FFP requirements. So um, you can't always have that. And one of one of my my bugbears about signing continuously signing players that are two or three seasons away from their from their potential peak is that firstly you never know if they're actually going to reach that that pinnacle. Um and secondly, that you never really get to um realize that 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 talent and that ability because players as players kind of come through and start doing well other other players who are further along in their journey get sold you know so you know potentially you, you know you're signing players for two or three years' time that are never going to play with the never going to actually join the team that that you have there at the moment and it it never quite you never quite get get off the ground you need to kind of look after the the, the, the first team now as well and sometimes that involves a bit of short term thinking and um, a bit of what what how can we how can we make a really competitive team now so maybe in the summer Ollie Watkins decides actually Villa are a going concern here I can I can I can achieve what I want to at this club, rather than going on to to Arsenal or Tottenham or wherever, you know, and and keeping that progress, keeping that progress going. It's kind of two. You, you need those two strands, and 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 I understand people being a little bit concerned about the price we're paying for for Luka Dean. Um, you know, twenty three, twenty four million for a for a twenty eight year old. Firstly, I think that's the going rate now for a for a top quality left back and secondly we know what we're getting for the next couple of years and um i'm really pleased with it
0: yeah we we i think we've i think lots of the fears on 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 villa twitter and in the Villaverse, i think you got the coin of phrase there is the the fact that you know lots of us uh, we've we've had our fingers burned <laughs> by this kind of strategy before so we are lots of us are you know once bitten twice shy it is a question of looking back at the Martin O'Neill era. And while Martin O'Neill did do a one, let's be balanced in this. He did do a wonderful job of signing players with resale value. And we made wonderful profits on the like of Ashley Young, on the likes of um, um, uh, 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 James Milner. Obviously, he uh, Martin O'Neill has inherited Gareth Barry, but Villa made good money on him. Good money on Stuart Downing. So it wasn't like Martin O'Neill's transfers were a complete disaster but the vast majority of those players that he bought, he bought at the top of the market. The lights of Harewood, the lights of Habib Bay, the lights of Curtis Davis, the lights of Richard Dunn, James Collins, uh, Nicky Shorey, Steve Sidwell, uh, Emil Heskey. There were so many, and that's just off the top of my head, not to mention the ridiculous sale of, of Gary Cahill, that night. Knight. There were so many players that he signed at the absolute top of their market value who never ever, who just sunk the ship ultimately because Randy Lerner was not prepared to keep funding those losses. And we know what happened. We got Lambert and Young and Hungry, and then we started circling the the plug hole. And then we had the the Chancellor of... uh, Let's say the Chancellor of Mystery, uh, Dr. I'm not gonna call him Dr. Uh, Jaya, <laughs> who also bought players at the absolute top of their value that we just never saw any money back from. We never got any money back for Kodger. We never got any money. Well, we got a little bit of money back for Kodger, but we nothing like the money we spent. Scott Hogan, we blew a, we blew all the money on. Um uh, you know, all of those types of players as well. And 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 we've had our fingers burnt before. So I think the key is to strike a balance here. Yes, you need to, uh, having a Danny Yings, a Buendia, not a Buendia, because Buendia will have resale value. Having a Danny Yings with with, with little to no resale value, having a, a Lucas Dinia with little to no resale value, having a um, Philip Coutinho with little to no resale value is okay, because that's just three players, but you can't, once it starts getting to four, five, six, seven, we know how that goes, and it's not a sustainable model. Even if uh, NSWE wanted to keep they keep pumping in hundreds of millions every year, it's not a sustainable business model and FFP won't allow it. So there has to be a balance. We have to be able to uh, create value from our academy. We have to be able to get fees for the likes of Trezeguet and where Al Ghazi and, and other players that, that, that we may be moving along so that we can continue to, to fight the bear Andy.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that was uh, I was going to bring up my old phrase there, <laughs> Fight, fighting the bear. It's kind of fighting the bear, but coming at it from different angles, though, isn't it? These days, I mean, Martin O'Neill only had really the, the the one way of of attacking the problem, and the problem being of of getting Villa into the Champions League. He had to sign players that could compete with with the the cartel at the time, the top four cartel that was so dominant, you know, and and we fell short in the end. Um, having said that, it was it was a great few years, and you know I, I always look back on that with those years with fondness, despite how it ended, really. But um, you know, I think that's the thing I, I want to see. I want to see us competing now. I'm not interested in what would you know. I'm, I'm when you when you're going down to to, to Villa Park, um, and and people will travel away as well. And you're watching players who have been at the club for two or three years, have maybe come up with us or maybe been signed after we've been promoted, and they're they're still struggling to find that top level that they may never find. You know, and Matt Target's an example of 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 that. You know, he he has had some excellent runs in 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 the Villa team. He's he's done really well. He's massively improved but it can be a bit of a struggle watching him at times and thinking you know this guy for 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 whatever reason I I just don't see him being a top four left back and that's what we're looking at isn't it that's that's where we we want to aim for is the top four so if he if he isn't a top four left back then we need to find someone who potentially is um that could have been Aaron Hickey you know fair enough but obviously Gerard has decided that in his system, because he relies heavily on those wide areas, um, the fullbacks, uh, you know, in, in the way he plays, um, he wants, you know, he wants quality delivery every time and that's, he needs it for for the system to work properly. So um, that's why he's gone for Dina because Dina, Dina gives you that, you know, from from those areas. Um so I'm 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 really I'm really pleased I'm really excited. I'm, there's something about suddenly we're in that position where we we can go and compete again in the in the in the upper echelons of the transfer market rather than kind of you know rooting around trying to look for uh, for, for for bargains, which you still have to do. You still have to do that, but it's nice to see that we're prepared to go a bit a bit a bit more uh, ambitious as well.
0: But there is also a school of thought here, um, Andy, that that the 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 exit of Jack Grealish has meant that they've they, when I'm saying they, I'm talking about Perslow, I'm talking about the owners, I'm talking about Langer, I'm talking about Mackenzie. There is a perception that they have taken their their uh their 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 building, their slow and steady building by finding value, finding players who are going to increase in value. And they've done that quite successfully. I think if we just look at some of the signings, we're going to make, you know, from Martinez through to cash, through to Mings, through to Konza, through to, um, through to uh, Douglas Louise if we don't let his contract run down, McGinn in particular, you know, all those Watkins, all those players we can sell today for a lot more than we, we signed them for. Um, what you, what seemed to be working, they seem to have burnt it down now and said, all right, Grilish is gone. Let's go get Ings. Let's go get uh, uh, Twanzebi, which let's not talk about that. Let's go get uh, Ings. Let's go get Coutinho. Let's go get Dinya. And now we're talking about Basuma as well. It seems as though there's been a radical shift in the last few months. And that's both exciting and scary, I think.
1: Yeah, maybe there has been a shift or maybe... They're going through the levels a little bit. I mean, the, let's let's be honest. The first season we we were promoted. I mean, you could say, you know, that was when they were they were doing some really diligent scouting and they were trying to get find the diamonds in the rough, or you could say that they just cast their net and, and pulled out whatever whatever they could get because, you know, in my opinion, uh, you know, when you look at the players they were linked with. Um, and the players they ended up with, um, I'm not convinced that was the, the transfer window they envisaged having. But it was what they it was all they could do at the time.
0: Yeah, it was that, so hard, that, wasn't it? With yeah. with Ot- Otuso lost his job ultimately. But I think that he deserves a little bit of credit because people forget we didn't have a team. No, we did not have a team, and they had to do that. You know, build a whole team for 110 million. Uh, which was like yeah, it was like it was like thirteen million a player or something crazy, which is not Premier League money. And um, mm. so I think in retrospect, it was a little scattergun, and some of those players were never going to work. But um, I think in retrospect, in hindsight, actually, Suso and and them lot did a good job just to get the numbers through the door because we were in a we were in a terrible place after Bruce Zia and Winess uh, left the building.
1: Sure, and and you know they've gone that they've done that they've they've managed to by hook or by crook stay up. They've got the basis of a spine, and they've added to that the second year with Martinez, Cash, Watkins, etc. And now they're trying to add that little bit of quality. What they what they are reacting to, like you say, is the fact that you know the, the big fish left, and um, they have that. You know they have to move forward without him, and part of that. And I've said before, part of that is is creating a, a a team, evolving the team to get get it to the point where Grealish was never part of it, and it's looking like that now. That when that team runs out on Saturday with Coutinho and and and, Dina and um, you know even if it's Ings or you know obviously Bailey won't be there, etc. But it's starting to look like that now. Gerrard has never had to rely on Grealish. It, Either so it, it it's starting to it's it's starting to feel better in that respect now and um, you know I'm I'm just happy about that that evolution look I don't want them to go to go silly and and be um, be reckless about it but I'm happy about the fact that they feel um, emboldened to to have a go. Because it would be easy as well. In 13th position, it'd be easy to say, oh, let's just ride this season out. We're not going to get relegated. We're not going to get into Europe. Let's just, you know, let's just play some kids. And like we were saying, basically, (laughs) last week. But but actually, they're not doing that. They're not resting on their laurels. They're saying, no, this isn't good enough. You know, whilst we can still make seventh or sixth place, we're going to have a go and... I think that's fair play. I, 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 you know, that's that's got to be good for the, the the team.
0: But is there pressure on Gerard now? Um, because we have, you know, we've we've lost three games on the spin. Um, Dean Smith was sacked for losing five on the spin. So let's not forget. So we're not a million miles away from that. You know, lose lose to Man United on 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 Saturday. That will be four games in a row we've lost, and 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 then. It's 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 tricky, and with spending all this money, does this now pile on the pressure for Stephen Gerrard? Would would he would he been better off as a as a manager, being able to find his feet in the Premier League for another few months without the 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 attention now? Because these signings now bring extra attention; they bring expe- extra expectation, not only from inside the club but from also outside the club. So, does this put Gerrard under not pressure, but you know, the, look, being a Premier League manager, full stop, is pressure. But does this provide additional scrutiny and and pressure to what Gerard's going to be doing for the rest of the season do you think I think Stephen Gerrard will be
1: annoyed and frustrated um when he looks at the league table and sees his team sat in 13th place I think he's that type of character he won't he he, he just won't like it he he'll be um he wants to be near the top of the league and that's that's just the way that's just the way he is and I think he wants to work with, with 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 good quality players as well. I don't think he, it's in his makeup really. I think we've got a manager here who will be constantly looking to get better technically technical quality players into the into his team because he will work better with them and he'll appeal to them and they will be able to execute his game plans better. Um, I don't think he's that interested in developing players really, from what I can. From what I can see, um, he will do it, and part of what's how the club is set up is is to do that now. But he will think he'll be thinking about the next game and the next game after that, and and um, you know all the next few months, and and you know and and being as good and as competitive as, as as possible. That the other night would have, and we'll get onto the the game in a bit, but that would have. Um, Killed him watching that the other night. Watching them have have that much of the ball and struggle to score
0: nearly killed me. I tell you. <laughs>
1: so um, I think he'll 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 be he'll be delighted um, that you know two players that he's obviously targeted himself um, the club have gone and um, gone and managed to get. Um, and I honestly honestly cannot wait. But I'm just I'm just thinking, Craig, um, with. Uh, Obviously Anwar Al Ghazi has gone gone to Everton today. Um now, you know, this is a man that, that 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 has an image to uphold, you know. And when he goes, obviously he's in Birmingham, that's one thing. You know, he's going up to Liverpool now, up to Merseyside, um, the city of culture as it was.
0: Um he's got to be at his best. He does, and you know, when we look at Anwar Al Ghazi as as a man, I mean he looks like he smells nice. His skin is is soft and and you never see any stubble. He looks impeccably shaved. And I can only imagine that that might go beyond his face and below the neckline and below the waistline. So I don't know that Anwar Al Ghazi uses Manscaped.com. I don't know that he puts LAMP into the promo code and that he gets 20% off and free international shipping for when he's over in the Netherlands or uh, back home now, I guess, in the Wirral. <laughs> He looks like he would use manskate.com. He looks like he would smell fresh. He looks like he would be taking care of business, not only in the bathroom, but also in the bedroom, because he understands that being at your best is a 24-hour job. So, gents listening and ladies... Make sure that you're at your best 24 hours a day. Make sure you get rid of that scraggy bum fluff bushing out of Uranus. Make sure that you get rid of those scraggy, stringy, spiky pubes on your balls and around your genitalia. Make sure that you are moisturizing and keeping your nether region smelling fresh as Anwar El Ghazi when he jumps out of the shower in the Everton changing room and he walks through a a cloud and then all of the other players turn and say to him my god Anwar you are a beautiful beautiful man I can see why they call you the beautiful baby boy all right. So, use our promo code which is <laughs> LAMP, L A M P, which gets you 20% off and free worldwide shipping. That's our promo code LAMP, L A M P at www.manscaped.com. Thank
1: you, Craig. Um yeah, I I think when he goes up there, I think they're, they're going to have, um, you know, they're going to have the the uh, the pleasure of, of of witnessing that. And I think if there are any Everton fans listening, you're you're also welcome to use our code. Use lamp, get on there, get yourself get yourself shaved up like Anwar El Ghazi
0: and uh, any and Everton players fine. as well. You know, <laughs> Seamus Coleman, you look like you could do with a bit of a bit of a <laughs> rinse. You can get get yourself involved big uh <laughs> the big lad at the back Mina. you look like you might smell a bit uh a bit a bit salty after a game of football why don't you get yourself involved as well the promo code's available to all Everton Ever. fans Everton players yeah. you know we are we are equal opportunity lovers over here at this uh yeah. wonderful podcast
1: absolutely inclusivity is the name of the game here um but I think we should discuss some football Craig and uh <clears throat> Villa's third round tie with 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 Manchester United happened on on Monday after after a wonderful wonderful weekend of um FA Cup third round football. It was I just loved loved it. Um, <laughs> we ended up on Monday night which is probably a good thing. Um after after the Lord Mayor's show and Gerard named the strong t- team for this game recalling Watkins and and Mings um after COVID and suspension respectively. Um, but it was a bad start for Villa as 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 um, they appeared to to initially sit off United and allow them to to apply some early pressure. And it was only eight minutes in when uh, Fred delivered a deep cross into the box, which Scott McTominay glanced into the net, um, almost unchallenged. Really, Villa fans were expecting the usual kind of dodgy penalty award, but but this was a another kind of gift wrapped goal courtesy of the Villa defense Craig
0: yes I think that uh, Douglas Louise was daydreaming about Alicia Lehman a little bit too much and didn't decide to track McTominay Um, Konza isn't necessarily in the right place I think he can do better as well and uh, Danny Ings decided to double up on uh, the man with the ball uh, who then released it to Fred. I forget who that man was. It might have been Luke Shaw um, when he was already covered. And and Fred has the opportunity a bit like uh, we spoke about with uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi a couple of weeks ago when Lukaku got that header. Um, just given the freedom of the park to to cross the ball in, uh, crosses it in and, and Fred puts in a lovely ball. And, and McTominay is big, strong he's got the momentum with him and it's about as easy a goal that you should, as you'll see it, it is it is absolutely gift wrapped um manchester united didn't get their customary penalty but they did get a goal a different way but we can talk about that in a minute uh, but it's just lax defending and at some point at some point here we are going to have to have a reckoning with 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 steven gerrard and with this defense because they started out so well they started out being that mean lean defense clean sheet machine that we saw last season under Dean Smith but that has all gone away it seems very lax again it seems that we're not we're not hungry we haven't got the eye of the tiger to keep the ball out of the net and every every week we're giving away stupid soft goals or soft penalties and you can't win games of football this way so either uh, either the, the the defenders are going to have to the defenders and the midfielders are going to have to step up or they're going to have to step aside because as we're seeing with this transfer ambition uh, there is no moss growing under Stephen Gerrard's rocks. Well that's the issue isn't it and
1: and you know the if they aren't if they don't show to be good enough by the end of the season these players will be moved on because Gerrard will have his own idea about about the type of players he wants in that back back four and um as we've already seen it looks like you know already Matt target's gone by the wayside so um you know, we'll 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 see we'll see how that goes. I mean, look, it was a, it was an awful, uh, just a really soft goal to concede. Um, but after this, I mean, Villa really kicked into gear, going going on to dominate the half and and creating several really good chances. Um, not least Ollie Watkins, who who pounced on a Lindelof error um, and was able to 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 get into the box, chop inside onto his right foot, um, only to see. His shot from sort of five yards out bounced back off the bar. Um, we spoke about uh, this last week with with Watkins finishing compared to that of Danny Ings, and and whilst he has clearly done well to create this chance, um, it's becoming difficult to rely on him to to, to finish these chances. Um, you know, could this ultimately be what prevents him from becoming a, a really top Premier League striker?
0: Well, yeah, it will prevent him. He he's not a top. Top Premier League striker, you know the top Premier League strikers, uh, you know, or forwards, if you want to, you know, include uh, the likes of Mo Salah and um, and 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 players of that ilk, uh, Bernardo Silva. You know, the, the players that are coming in and scoring goals um, is is the finishing. It's that having that ice in your veins, the cool cucumber stuff. We saw it with Danny Ings uh, against the uh, against the the uh, Brentford back line, where he puts a wonderful shot into to the into the, the bottom corner. And this is the conundrum because I think that Danny Ings does not have the physical capabilities. He doesn't have the speed or the strength to create that chance for himself, which is why Ali Watkins is one of the best pressing forwards. He can force mistakes and capitalize on them because he's such a physical specimen. I think, and he also just having him around panics defenders because they know how, how you know, how ferocious he is. But at the same time, it was lovely and he created a chance out of nothing, but it, the fact that he was able to conspire to miss from kind of uh less than eight yards is is really difficult to defend at this point. So I don't think it is it, it 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 if he doesn't address it, it will prevent him from being a, a top Premier League striker. But the likes of Jamie Vardy, we've seen from him, he was not a top Premier League striker when he was Ollie Watkins age and then he went on you know, when he got to the ages of 28, 29, 30, 31, so on and so forth to become absolutely lethal, he was able to improve his finishing beyond reproach. So all is not lost for Watkins. But um, it does seem that, um, you know, you use the word, is it difficult to rely on him? It is when when Ollie Watkins gets a chance, you can almost toss a coin. Um, even if it's a very good chance, you just don't know that it's going to go in the back of the net. And that's going to be okay for so long. But again there's a theme here with Villa moving into, into, into different waters. We're going to need Ollie Watkins to step up and and improve his finishing. And I think that's fair. It's a fair thing to expect. We want players who are improving and who want to improve. And Ollie Watkins needs to improve his finishing.
1: Yeah. And you, when you see him kind of linked with um, sort of top four clubs, Liverpool and Arsenal in particular, you know, he, I mean he he may well if he if he was to move to I mean if you if he was in a front line with with Marne and Salah then maybe he would um I mean he wouldn't probably wouldn't need to score so many goals anyway, but he'd he'd probably get more chances, um and maybe better chances, but um he's got, one way or another he's gonna he's gonna need to be you know, to to improve that side of the game because it never feels like he's completely in control of a situation. You know, when when Lukaku or Kane or Firmino go in, you know, on goal, when they're bearing down on goal, you feel like they're completely in control of that situation. You're
0: with, just waiting for the net to bulge when certain yeah. players go through. And and again, with Watkins, you're not sure. You're like, well, let's toss a coin. Maybe, maybe not. And that's yeah. that's not ideal. Yeah, but
1: I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, he's everything else, every other aspect of his game is is absolutely um, top class in terms of Premier the in terms of his peers, I think I think he, yeah, it he is, gets it into is, most agree. teams in the Premier League and um he's a really, really good player and he 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 has improved. He's and even this season there are certain aspects of his game which we're seeing. I think last season he was very much a you know a very kind of high pressing number nine um central, you know, whereas we've got to see him a little bit more in the you know in the in in the channels and in the in the half spaces this season which has been I've enjoyed that I've enjoyed that side of his game and when you see him in those when he's when he's allowed to do that that's when you get the goals like like the um, you know the Brighton goal and, and things like that which was which was very clinical you know so he has got it in his locker um, but it's just it's just up in that percentage isn't it it's just you know and, and yeah, him feeling and, uh, in control
0: and maybe it's psychological, but we see players do it. You know, we see the likes of Jamie Vardy. I reference. You know, someone like Michel Antonio started out as a right back, yeah, is now yeah. become a, a, a fearsome Premier League striker who, who who can be very, very clinical in front of goal. So it's not like this is is. It's not like I'm talking talking absolute. Uh, you know, something. It's like it's fantastical. It's not. Players can develop that side of the game, and that is all that he is missing. If he can develop that and whether that's a psychological thing about you say being in, in control in those moments maybe that's a, a sports psychology thing um i don't know what it is i'm not an elite <laughs> sportsman but whatever whatever is the missing ingredient to ollie watkins's cake um if he can find it and i think he can find it because he is about as hard-working a player as you can see then he will become in that very top echelon of premier league strikers and um and and he would very quickly become. I think he's already probably a fifty million pound striker. I think he could be, if if he can f- sort out that finishing, you know, he can be an 90 million pound striker. Um, but you have to do the work, and he has to. Um, you know, there's no better no better person to learn from there than Danny Ings. You know, pick his brains, <laughs> do what Danny Ings does, do the same shooting drills, learn from learn from him. You know, use use the resources that you have available. I'm sure. I'm sure he is.
1: Um, obviously, the, ma- the major talking point of the game uh, came in the second half as uh, the aforementioned Dannying's um, thought he had drawn Villa level, uh, bundling home, uh, conscious header from the free kick. It seemed inevitable that that it would be looked at. Um, I think at the time, I just I didn't even celebrate because I thought this doesn't look right. They're going to look at this um, and and VAR. Uh, proceeded to forensically comb through every angle and potential infringement from offsides to handball um, before settling on an innocuous obstruction of uh, Cavani by Jacob Ramsey in the Um, build-up. Simple. What what whatever happened to clear and obvious, Craig?
0: Well, it's Old Trafford and uh, the the VAR person is apparently a a Man United fan. Um, We are used to these ridiculous penalties. If I have time later, I'm actually going to do a, 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 a thread on Twitter with all the ridiculous decisions that have gone Man United's way in the last couple of years. If I have time, um, I may not have time, but um, I was so angry about this on Monday that I had to go out for a walk <laughs> after the game. I, I put my phone down. I got off Twitter. I had to just, I had to get out of the house so, and I went for a walk um, and it was minus five degrees and it was a horrendous walk, but I, I had to get out because at this point it just feels like cheating and it feels corrupt. And and I was thinking about this in some detail and I was thinking about how the, how the commentators now and, and, and the football journalists and how the, uh, the football, um, you know, talking heads, how Fergie time has become like part of the, you know, it's almost like a joke now. Oh, it's Fergie time. And I'm thinking, well, what, what does that mean? What, what is Fergie time? Well, f- the, the, the phrase Fergie time obviously comes from Manchester United under Alex Ferguson being literally awarded enough time, additional added on time at the end of a game where they might score a winner or an equaliser. And that is you know, <laughs> that is cheating. <laughs> that is corruption. But it's kind of been washed away into this kind of buzzword or catchphrase. Oh, it's Fergie time. No, it was was cheating then and it's cheating now. Manchester United are a bigger club than Aston Villa. Manchester United are a ratings bonanza. I'm sure that the Emirates sponsors of the FA Cup, I'm sure that the Premier League sponsors would much rather see Manchester United in the fourth round than they would Aston Villa. Just because of the numbers, just because of the global coverage, just because of the money. So I get that. But the idea that the officials give such clear and obvious, speaking about clear and obvious, clear and obvious bias to Manchester United. I mean, even Jurgen Klopp came out and did a press conference, a very characteristic press conference, I think last season, to talk about all the penalties Manchester United were getting. Because it was absolutely obscene. They were getting penalties for anything, including against Aston Villa. It was, it was becoming ridiculous. And then... Uh, Klopp talked about it. And because Klopp is respected, all of a sudden they're like, oh, we we better calm down now. But against Aston Villa, it's just been rife. Every single game, more or less, since we've come back up into the Premier League, Manchester United have had at least one outrageous decision go in their favour against Aston Villa. And I don't watch Man United every week, so I can only imagine it also happens against other clubs as well. And it gets to the point where you can't, even be angry about it anymore because it's kind of just built in. It's just this built-in bias towards Manchester United. And we've talked about it already, you know, in terms of preview in the next game, you're almost expecting some kind of decision, big match-changing decision to go in the way of Manchester United. Fergie time by a different name. We can call it VAR time or or, or, or VAR. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't have a phrase for it. I haven't thought it through, but it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's cheating it's corruption, and it's not fair
1: <laughs> it's yeah. just
0: not fair and I think that's where my anger comes from yeah and i think I think it's when
1: you see the i mean look in in no world in no other situation that I've seen in football is that ever a foul you know either i've heard people I've heard um uh, you know a villa reporter villa um reporter on the on the athletics saying that you know it was a it was a definite foul by Ramsey on Cavani. All I've seen is Ramsey standing still and Cavani running into him and not nowhere near actually where where the ball was 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 going to be ending up. Um and it's almost like you get you get it's almost like gaslighting, isn't it? It's like this it is, this, yeah. this idea that yeah, this is all fine, this is all normal, you know. It comes from the commentators, it comes from the media, the reporters. Everything, no, no one's actually got the the, the balls to, to sort of stand up and say, no, hang on, we need to look at this. Because, you know, all right. I mean, even I would be a little bit surprised if there was anything too clandestine going on here. Um, And it might be just an unconscious thing. But I just think these things should be looked into, you know, because it's so open to the, to that sort of thing and it's there's almost this idea that as soon as anyone questions i mean we know it's written it's in the rules managers and players and whoever get get um sanctioned and and, and punished for questioning the integrity of a referee why is that why shouldn't they be allowed to well, call dean, something out Dean's, if they think it's
0: you know or yeah, well, dean smith got a got a a large fine for for questioning, I think, uh, did you bring his, his juggling balls with him? Yeah. And then, but it turns out that it was absolutely wrong. You know, the Premier League came out and apologized. Oh no, yeah, we just made up that rule to give Man City a goal. That yeah. game was nil-nil at the time. So if it happens once or twice, I think you put it down to coincidence. But I think at, at this point, at least in my opinion, and and, and and maybe others, the opinion of others are listening, this is now a clear, demonstratable, demonstrative Demonstrate whatever the word is. It is a clear pattern of bias towards Manchester United. There was with the penalties. Klopp came out and said it. All of a sudden, they were the penalties went away. or the ridiculous penalties went away a little bit. But it is clear as day. And um, and I don't I don't know. Fortunately, now we have a manager actually who has the the the, the gravitas and name identity. He could come out and say something about it. Uh, but he's chosen not to um, at this at this time. But it will be interesting to see you know you can imagine if he were in, under a little bit more pressure, you could imagine he might have a slightly different feeling about it moving forward because this just can't keep happening to aston Villa it's not and and other clubs as well I'm sure feel the same way because it's just outrageous
1: yeah, and I think I think in terms of Gerard, he dealt with it perfectly well you've got to focus on 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 what you're doing at the end of the day and you can you can get you can get a bit hot under the collar about a referee. Um but ultimately what people will point to in saying, Well, you had five gilt edge chances in the first half and it was still one 0 to United at half time, so you know, you put some of these chances away and things are things look different anyway, don't they? But you know, to 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 have to have a goal like that chalked off and when it was it was so it was so, such a meticulous um you know, it wasn't like how how VAR has been run generally this season, where they just have a quick look. If they can't see anything, they move on. You know, on-field decision, absolutely fine. You know, we'll answer to it afterwards. It was it was a it, we were back we're back to this meticulous combing through of a you know of of every angle of a, an incident. You know, it's almost looking for something, um, which again, it, you know. Aside from anything else, whether it's biased or not, it punches down on the game. It takes away the the, the fundamental enjoyment of football, which is seeing your team score and going mental. And that's that's what they that's what they're cutting out of the game because even Ings wasn't didn't celebrate properly because um, <laughs> you know he he had a feeling some <laughs> something was going to get looked at. So it's just it's just a joke. It really is. It's, it's rubbish.
0: Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I was as again, I, I was so upset about it because it just it just keeps happening, and it's and 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 it's not it's not. There is just no chance. There is no chance, and I would bet everything I own on it. If exactly the same thing happens at a Manchester United set piece, Cristiano Ronaldo puts one in. There is no chance that. Uh, Harry Maguire gets done for a block on the other side of the penalty area on, I don't know, Ollie Watkins. There's no chance that Manchester United have that pulled back and disallowed if Cristiano Ronaldo scores. He's off to the corner flag doing his stupid little celebration and no one bats an eyelid. It carries on. That is not given against Cristiano Ronaldo, but it was given against Danny Ings and Aston Villa. And I think that is where the, the corruption is. And that is where the problem is, because it is bias and it's unequal treatment when it should be as equal as possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a really disappointing um way to go out of the FA Cup. i say after a you know, a great weekend of of cup football, it was it was it's hard to not be part of that now. And um I was I was more upset about it than I thought I would be. Um and like you, just just very, very angry and and you know, and fed up that we didn't have the opportunity you know to draw level and 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 have a have a really good sort of shootout with united over the the next 20 minutes to see who would who would who would win the match but we've got another chance this weekend we've got a chance for revenge um as manchester united villa vi- visit sorry villa park in the premier league and of course it's a chance for for villa to complete the league double over united um I don't know when the last time we did that was. Um, after an exceptional one um, 0 win at Old Trafford earlier in the season under Dean Smith, um, things have changed for both clubs since then. But Villa now have the prospects, as we, we spoke about earlier, of being able to name Philip Coutinho and Luca Dean in the um, in the ma- in the in the for the match in the team, uh, which would be very exciting additions. Other than that, Gerald will hope to have Ashley Young available again um, but obviously Nacamba and Bailey remain absent and Trail Ray and Trezeguet are at the, uh, at the African Cup of Nations still. Um, we should fully expect an, an electric atmosphere at Villa Park for this tea time kick-off on, on Sky Sports. Um, what are you expecting from, from this one and do you expect Coutinho
0: and Dina to start the match? Um, Dinier, yes. Coutinho, no. Um, but, uh, I think Coutinho, I mean, who knows? I I would expect, uh, uh, Dinier to come in. Yes. Um, to Coutinho, I would, I would, I would think would start from the bench, but who knows? I think that the, 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 the big miss for Aston Villa is going to be John McGinn, um, who is suspended for this, uh, this fixture. So you would imagine Morgan Sanson comes in for, for John McGinn and, I would also imagine that, that Gerard goes with other than that, probably the, the same and other than that and, and Target being replaced goes with the same starting lineup because it was a starting lineup that should have beaten Manchester United or at least got a draw as we as we know uh, in the FA Cup tie. Um, Manchester United also going to be missing uh, Scott McTominay and Luke Shaw, uh, Luke Shaw, who probably could have had 17 um, re- uh, the yellow cards and also <laughs> should have given away a penalty, by the way. Um, you can bet your bottom dollar that might have been given against Aston Villa, but I digress. So Manchester United are going to be weakened, although Ronaldo will be returning. And uh, you also, uh, uh, um, Harry Maguire is also returning, whether that's good or bad for Aston Villa, we can debate. So um, it's going to be the same again, I think, from Villa. Villa Park is going to be absolutely electric. The team, the the boys, the boys, Villa boys are going to be right behind the team. and uh, And I just think whoever starts... Um, is going to be carried away in the atmosphere. And it, it almost seems like righteous justice that Aston Villa take the three points here after that robbery in the FA Cup, Andy.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I just feel like there's a there's a bit of momentum going into this one. There's a bit of, there's some scores to settle. And I feel like we're not beaten down. I think Villa came out, although we, we were on the losing side, we came out with far more... Um, far more credit and far more optimism from our performance than the Man United did, even though they won the game. So I think they'll be worried, um, about, about coming to Villa Park. They'll be worried about the atmosphere. Um, and in terms of the, the new signings, I I kind of agree, but I've just got a feeling that, that, that he will start with Coutinho and, um, and, and, and give him a, a good hour, um, you know from from the start if not you know there'll be it'll be all eyes on the bench as soon as that second half kicks off to see to see him uh, removing his tracksuit because um you know i think uh, i think everyone will want to see him want to see him playing and and hopefully you know when he does when he does come onto the field We'll still be in the game. We won't be uh, he won't be coming on when we're 3-0 down. It'll be it'll be a close match and he'll be he'll be coming on to uh, to weave his magic. Um so let's let's hope that's the case. But I think um yeah, like you say, I think that it, it won't be the team won't be much different. I think Ashley Young might play if um if uh if he's back and available again because cause Gerard tends to pick him. Um but other than that, I think it'll be the same. I think Buendia Certainly deserves to keep his place. I thought he was excellent the other night um, at Old Trafford. You know, really, really troubled their defence. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But I can't wait to get down there and uh, and, and and soak it in. Um, seems like ages since I've been because of the... Uh, I missed the Chelsea match as well. So can't wait to get back to Villa Park this weekend. But... Prediction. Give me a prediction, Craig. I think
0: Villa have got this. I think um, I think Man United obviously are going to get their free penalty or something. But um, so so they'll score. Uh, but two uh, one Aston Villa. Two one Aston Villa. And uh, definitely, I think uh, a goal from Philippe Coutinho. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> well, I think uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for three one. I think. Uh, I just feel we're gonna we're gonna run through them. Um, we softened them up the other night, and I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go through them. And I think it will be um, harking back to that that game in '95, Craig at Villa Park. I was which there again; was a a wonderful atmosphere. I was there that day, one of the hottest um,
0: days ever at Villa Park.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and of course we had some new signings uh in the team that day um some big new signings too so um you know let's hope so um and if you are going to the game um in, enjoy it um thanks for joining me today craig uh, it's been it's been great it's been busy <laughs> busy week to get, to go over um so thanks for that and thanks for listening everyone um head over to manscape for your your 20% off and free shipping with our code lamp And also uh, check out our website and and give us a follow on the socials for for all the latest uh, writing and and information and and, and, uh, on all the aspects of the club. First team, the Villa Women and the Academy. If you're going to Villa Park, have a great day on Saturday. Might see you there. Other than that, stay safe and up the Villa.